Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open up your Bible, if you would, to the book of Acts. We are continuing the book of Acts. And tonight's message is entitled, You Can't Squash Jesus. Okay, not squash, squash. You can't squash Jesus, okay? <laughs> We're continuing in our study of the book of Acts by uh, now turning to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we began some dynamic uh, activities of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, through the church. And so let's get into it by begin reading in verse number one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Oh, now what in the world does that mean? Well, there were different hours of the day that people were accustomed to praying. You remember that Peter and John and indeed all of these in Jerusalem had been raised under the, the uh, Judaism, under the, the Jewish law and customs. And they were used to going, you know, at, at, uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, at 9 o'clock, at noon, and at 3 o'clock, and at 6 o'clock to pray and to do many things. Well, here they are going about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to the temple as was their custom. They were going to pray. They were on their way to pray. Many of them prayed, you know, uh, several times a day, but they would find, uh, find themselves in a little different situation on their way. Let's look in verse 2. Now, they're on their way to the temple to pray at a designated time. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. You see, there were certain entrances into the temple, and, and this particular man had been lame all of his life. He had been lame, unable to walk, unable to, to get himself around, and he was 40 years old, we can read in chapter 4 and verse 22, I believe. Uh, 40 years old. And so he is daily. The indication is, is that ever since he was just perhaps a young man, even perhaps an adolescent, even perhaps from, from 12 years old even or younger, that he was carried every day and set at this gate so that he could ask, he could beg for money. It was very common in Jewish tradition. It is even in the American culture for those who are unable for some reason to support themselves to, to beg and to ask for support from others. What choice did he have? What choice did his family have? You know, perhaps his mom and his dad, perhaps they you know, were, were already up in years. Maybe they were already uh, gone. Who knows who it was that carried him, but all of his life he had to be taken care of. Of. And so here he finds himself on another day, this, this beggar man on another day, just another day, there at the temple, at the gate, knowing that it is the hour of prayer, knowing that people are going to be coming, knowing that there is a, a culture and a custom in Judaism as there is in Christianity to stop and help people. You know, not every religion has that custom and culture. 
Not every religion believes that you should help people who are in need. In fact, many religions, some of the largest religions in the world are against helping people. Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? Oh, in some, in, in some public forums, they might help, but in their teachings, they really do believe that if God has seen fit to curse you, they don't want to be found blessing you, lest individually they fall under the same curse for helping you. That is amazing to me. But we, we in, in, in our Christian faith, believe that God wants us to help others. And so did the Jews. The Jews believed that. In fact, you can remember in Acts chapter 10, there was a Roman soldier who was sent from Italy all the way to to Israel. And while he was serving in Israel, one of the things that he had observed was that the Jewish people did two things that set them apart from all the other people. He observed the Jewish people being blessed. He observed the Jewish people having peace and having joy in their life and being a people of family and people of fortune. And he observed two reasons that perhaps they were so blessed. Number one is that they prayed to Jehovah of God. They prayed to one God and one God only. They believed that Jehovah Almighty was the only God. And the second thing was is that they helped the poor and that they gave money to poor people. And so one day this man, a man named Cornelius out of Acts chapter 10, just had, had, had decided that if they are being blessed by doing this, I too want to be like them. And so he began praying to Jehovah God, even though he was not a Jew and he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, he began praying to Jehovah God and he began giving money to poor people. And while he was praying one day in Acts chapter 10 records this, he was visited by an angel that was sent by God from heaven to Cornelius and said this, I have heard your prayers. They have been heard on high. And also we have witnessed you giving money to the poor. We have witnessed you helping the poor. And because you have been praying to Jehovah God and because you have been helping the poor, God wants you to get saved. Now, in order to get saved, you need to send some people down about 30 miles down the seacoast to the city of Joppa. You'll find a man named Peter there. He is, uh, you know, in, in, in the house of one Simon a Tanner and you bring him back and he will tell you what it takes to get saved. They did that. Peter came back and Cornelius was born again. He and his whole family was born again and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy, Acts 10, 44 through 48. And then they were water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wow, what a story that happened because of the giving to the poor. Here, this poor man knew Chances are he was lame. He couldn't take care of himself. Chances are these people who are at church are going to have pity on me. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit by the door of the church because I know it's about church time. Hello? Because these people have a reputation of helping you and I'm in need of help. 
And so he went and, and was carried. He's sitting by the church door, by the beautiful gate, the gate which is called beautiful. And there at the ninth hour being the hour of prayer, Peter and John are on their way in. And this man, verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the church, he asked them for some money. Alms, alms. Alms for the poor, that's what he's asking. Can you give me some money? Can you spare a, a shekel for a poor man, for a lame man, for, for, for a person who cannot make it? Can you spare some extra change? Well, in verse 4, the Bible says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Well, most likely, this man, who was a beggar, had asked them as they were coming into the gate, two men walking into the gate, talking and having a good time. He's, he's asked them, will you give me some money? Will you give me some money? And most likely, while he's asking them, he's looking for the next one right behind them and the next one behind him. And, and he's looking around for someone else who, who might possibly be digging in his pocket or reaching into his bag. And he's, he's looking for someone, to, you know, making some eye contact with somebody that's going to give him something that day because most likely, that's what he's going to be using to eat that day and, and to sustain his life unable to work, unable to provide for himself. And here as he's looking around probably for the next one and the next one, Peter and John stop and they look at him and Peter says, look at us, look at us. Peter wanted his attention. You know, you can't tell anybody anything that they're going to remember or even hear or that's going to be any lasting impact if they're not paying attention. Look at us. Peter had something important to say to him, but he needed his attention. He needed his attention. Many times people will talk about things, even things of the kingdom, without realizing that I've lost the attention of the people. Something has happened. Make sure whenever you are witnessing, when you're sharing, when you're opening up your heart to people, especially about Jesus, that you actually have their attention. It takes your eyes being open. It takes your heart being open. It takes you being conscious of what you're doing. And it also takes the realization that it does not matter what you say. It only matters what they here and what they will take with them. That's all that matters. The apostle Paul would later say that he had rather speak five words that people understood than 10,000 words, even though their truth and even their Holy Spirit filled words, they would make no difference at all if people did not understand them. Look at us, Peter said. So in verse five, this lame beggar gave them his attention. Why? because he was expecting to receive some money from them. It says he was expecting to receive something. He wasn't expecting to receive what he's going to get, but he was expecting to receive what he had asked for. He was thinking they're going to give me something. So he gave them his attention. And Peter said, he took that moment. Sometimes you only have a moment. Sometimes you only have a very fleeting moment to get your message across. One of the important things to do in life is to find out what is important and boil it down to the point where you can say it quickly because many times you have less than a minute to tell somebody something that would change their life forever. You know, uh, uh, when, when someone is ready to hear, you need to be ready to speak. Here, Peter said to him, 
silver and gold I do not have. Isn't that interesting? Then I'm, Peter and John aren't lying to him. They don't have any money. I don't have any money. Money? Can you give me some money? Look, 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 look here at me. Give me your attention, okay? I don't have any money. Okay, that right there might have been the place where the guy would have broke. Okay. <laughs> you know, he may, have, he may have all of a sudden been, you know, okay, I don't need to look at you anymore, you know? That'd be reasonable, wouldn't it? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Okay, you got my attention again now for just a minute. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I can imagine about that time that lame man was wishing he had a rock that he could chunk at Peter. That's an insult. You know, that would be offensive. Get up. What do you think, I'm a bum? You think I'm lying? Who is this Jesus? What are you talking about? I mean, get real. I've seen Jesus. I've been at this, sitting at this gate for 40 years. He's walked by me hundreds of times. Ain't that the guy they crucified? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, evidently, nothing happened. So next verse, Peter took him by the hand. He got him by the hand. <laughs> That's pretty bold. And he lifted him up. And it's at that point, immediately at that moment, this lame man's feet and his ankle bones received strength. All of a sudden, something happened to him, and it does not to me at all indicate that this lame man had any faith at all. It doesn't appear that he, he was impressed by the name of Jesus. It doesn't appear that he had any conscious consideration that what he had just been told was powerful or that it was lasting or that it meant anything. Peter reached down and got him by the hand and he pulled him up. He pulled him up in the name of Jesus. Peter's faith. Peter is the man who had faith here. The lame man did not have faith. Peter had faith. This lame man was just going to be a recipient of something that Peter was giving him because of Peter's faith. I don't know what Peter and John were talking about on their way to prayer, but I have a feeling it was pretty exciting because whenever they got there, Peter was filled with faith. He was filled with encouragement. He was just looking around for somebody that he could bless. And when the man said, hey, give me some money, Peter said, look at me. Man, I don't have any money, but I got something I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, you get up and walk. And Peter reached down and got him and pulled him up to his feet. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And the man stood up. Oh, my goodness. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. Don't you know he's going? <laughs> he stood and he walked. Oh my goodness. And he, he went to church with him. Let me tell you something. You change somebody's life, they'll go to church with you. Yeah, you tell somebody about Jesus, a real Jesus, that'll meet their need, meet that moment, that'll help them, that'll give them peace and give them joy and give them hope. 
that'll change their life. And when you do that, they will go to church with you. He went to church with Peter and John. He went on in. He'd been outside. He'd been outside a long time. He'd been 40 years sitting outside the church, unchanged man. Sitting right at the door of the church, an unchanged man. Think about it. Think how many people are sitting right outside the church door today, unchanged. Christians passing them all the time. Reckon how many years Jesus walked by him. Because Jesus went to the temple every year, even when he, you know, from, from a young boy all along. Reckon, I mean, and at least three and a half years in ministry. Reckon how many times Peter and John and James and Nathaniel and Thomas Bartholomew, Matthew, reckon how many times they walked by that man. Well, he went, he entered the temple with them, walking. I just can't believe this. Yep, still works. <laughs> Leaping. Whoo, thank you, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, and praising God. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I, oh, it's great to go to church with thanksgiving. You, you get somebody born again out there. You get somebody and change their life and tell them about Jesus and he makes a difference in their life. And they'll come into church praising God. He was leaping and walking and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. My goodness. What a testimony. Well, you can read the rest of that, but let's cut to the chase here with the rest of the story. Verse 8 tells us the man was healed and he went right to church after he was healed. Isn't that neat? Verses 9 through 11 tells us that everybody saw him and everybody that knew him, they knew he was the lame guy outside. They knew he was the beggar and, 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 and they had always known him as a, as, as a lame beggar and now they saw him different. Now he was a healed worshiper of Almighty God. Now he was somebody that had a little pep in his step. Now he was somebody that was excited. Now he was somebody that was voicing the worship and the praise of Almighty God. They saw him change. Let me say, nothing encourages people like seeing somebody else change, especially somebody who they know is at the bottom of the barrel of life, especially somebody that is having trouble and has problems and has and been hard on them and has been difficult and has been difficult all their life and all of a sudden they see him change. They see joy in their heart and they see them excited about Almighty God that he changed their life. Listen, these people saw him as a worshiper. And because of that, all the people came running and, and the Bible says that, that he just held on to Peter and John. Holding on to him. And all the people came running because they were hearing that somebody had a life change. Somebody who had been a problem. Somebody who had a problem. Somebody who was always asking for help. Now had been touched by Almighty God. Boy, those are the ones that can make such a big difference. People came from everywhere. And Peter got a chance to preach. 
It's the second sermon here in the book of Acts that Peter starts preaching. And his message went something like this. Number one, he introduced Jesus as the Son of God in verse 13. You can read about it. He immediately, Peter immediately begins to introduce Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God. He's got a whole audience of lost people. They in church and they're lost. Come on now. These people were in the heart of Almighty God's house, and they were lost as a goose. So Peter, preaching to people who are going to church, Peter was preaching Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then Peter gave Jesus credit for being a life changer. In, in Acts 3, verse 16, Peter told him, and it's his name, through faith in his name. It was Peter's faith, by the way. It was the name of Jesus. He said, I'm going to tell you what healed this man. I'm going to tell you what made a difference in that beggar's life. I'm going to tell you why he went from the bottom of the barrel to the top of the heap. It's because of Jesus and the name of Jesus. And Jesus has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You've seen it. You know it. It happened. You can't deny it. It's Jesus. I'm telling you, it's Jesus. That's what he was preaching. Well, Peter preached. Then he told him about repentance and forgiveness. You can read about it in verse 19. He talked about a God that would forgive their sins if they would just repent. Every good message needs to have change in it, okay? I mean, come on now. Every time I preach a sermon, I'm hoping somebody will change. I'm hoping somebody will, will just do a little something to have a greater reflection of Jesus in their life. And Peter didn't leave that out of his message. He talked to them and preached repentance and forgiveness of sins. And then this man who was healed for over 40 years, for over 40 years he had been laid at this he was over 40 years old and he had been sitting at this gate daily for years. This man was there as a testimony. Wow. You know, I have wondered through the years how many times Jesus might have walked by him. How many times Peter and, and John and James and Andrew, you know, how many times they had walked by him. I've wondered, I've wondered and wondered and wondered. I, I, I wonder how many times we walk past people and walk past people and walk past people. I suppose the plan and the strategies of God remain without question. God has perfect timing for everything. Only God can save, only God can heal, only God can forgive, but there is a perfect time for everything. Hearts have to be prepared and not only his heart, but the hearts of so many. When we go out of chapter three, we then enter into chapter four. And as soon as we get to chapter four, verse one, here come the Sadducees. Okay. Here come the Sadducees. Now listen, there are a few Sadducees that seem to show up at almost every meeting. Okay? Here Peter is preaching to a large crowd that's gathered. 
They have somebody with them that has been healed. Somebody had been a bona fide miracle in their life. And they went from a beggar at the bottom of the barrel to a worshiper at the top of the barrel. Everything's going good. And all of a sudden, here are these skeptics. Here are these cynical disbelievers. You see, the Sadducees, they were not just unbelievers, they were disbelievers. They weren't just lost, they were actively anti-spiritual things. They didn't believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in angels, they didn't believe in, in spiritual matters, they just didn't, I mean, they were just, you know, they, they, they basically didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. And they were not about to change their mind just because a bona fide miracle happened on this man who had been lame for more than 40 years. You see, there are some people that are committed to being sad. There are some people that are committed to being skeptics. They are committed. They are after, and there are a few Sadducees that show up at every meeting. Skeptical, cynical, disbelievers, refusing to believe. The Bible says in Mark 6, 35, Matthew 13, 58, that Jesus could do their no mighty works because of their unbelief. That concept of unbelief there means that they had set their minds and they were refusing to be persuaded. There are some people that refuse to be persuaded that God is a good God, that God is a healing God, that God is a saving God, that God is a loving God, that God is a caring God. They, they, they are just skeptics. And something good happened to you, something only God can do, they'll give you 23 reasons why God didn't do it. Why it just happened, you know, let me tell you something. There's a man sitting on the front row named Robert Benlin, one of our elders. He'd be dead if it wasn't for Almighty God reaching in his life. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times. I've been with him on his deathbed more than one time. And nobody, doctors, nobody, me, didn't believe he was getting up. God touched him and healed him anyway. Whoo! Yes, he did. I mean healed him when it was impossible. My goodness. I was standing beside him over in Houston one night. They had rushed him over there and I was headed out for a vacation. I got a phone call, turned around and I beat him to the hospital in Houston. And, and when they brought him in, they, they were saying they were going to have to cut a square, a rectangle or a square out of the side of his head. They were showing what they're going to have to do and, 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 and they you know, didn't have any hope that he was going to make it. I have read him his last rites more than once and so they left us alone so that I could talk to him about dying. And I did. And I'll be dead gum. When they took him back there, it was gone. Lord Jesus, help us all. There is a God. But there are a few cynical disbelievers of anything miraculous or supernatural or spiritual. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection or in spiritual matters or, or, you know, angels. That's why they are sad, you see. I'd be sad too if I didn't believe that there was a God that could reach out of heaven and, and help me or that he would. I don't know why, but it seems like these Sadducees always have a little governmental backing. The government... And even a lot of religious organizations, they back the Sadducees. That's what happened in verse 4. You can, you can read it, okay? 
the leaders, the Sadducees and the leaders of, 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 of the religious organizations there, they came out to shut this meeting down. Okay? Whew. The Bible says in verse 2 that they were greatly disturbed. <laughs> they were disturbed by somebody getting healed and by about 5,000 to seven, 8,000 people coming on the Temple Mount and listening to Peter preach about Jesus Christ. That's what disturbed them. By the way, that's still happening around the world today. Leaders still feel threatened when they can't control Jesus. But let me tell you, you can't squash Jesus. Before the authorities and the skeptical disbelievers could stop Peter and John, 5,000 people got born again. Right there. Read it. Read on into chapter 4. 5,000 people. Why? Because Peter and John didn't need but just a little bit. They knew what they were going to say, and they dropped those seeds of eternity in those people's lives about Jesus Christ being the Son of God. Save the world. Repent and be saved. He'll forgive you, and he will touch your life. That's all they needed to hear. And by the time that the people, the leaders came, and the skeptics, and shut Peter and John down, and arrested them, and pulled them off the Temple Mount, and took them to jail for the night oh they'd already let the seed out and 5,000 people got born again that day wow you see God knows how to get people saved God knows who needs to be saved and God knows when is the best time to do it no doubt in my mind that God knew when the hearts and lives and minds of men would be ready to receive the word and perhaps the passing by day after day that man waited for that moment when the Holy Ghost spoke to Peter and said, today is the day. I believe it was the deposit by God of faith in Peter's life. Unbelievable, miraculous faith is a manifestation according to 1 Corinthians, the, the 12th chapter, the 7th verse, beginning there are the manifestations. Faith is given to us as a manifestation. God can come upon you with an absolute amazing faith for something. And I think that's what Peter experienced. Acts 4.4, 4. however many of those who heard the word believed, so they're, now they're carting Peter and John off to jail. However, many of those who heard the word believed. Now, the Sadducees and the religious people done shut the meeting down. However, many of those who heard the word believed. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, after you let the word of God go out, and then whatever happens after that, you see, some things are just worth a little bit of cost. And you know what happened? <laughs> 5,000. The number of the men that came about 5,000. Wow. What a great sermon, huh? 5,000 were saved. It was just a simple sermon. A simple sermon of Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Savior of the world. And if you will repent, he will forgive you of your sins and save your soul. There's no greater sermon than that right there. Amen? Wow.